Good morning. You can go ahead and have a seat. Today is annual meeting day uh, here at Christ, Christ Church. First thing I want to say is I've changed our name. Church of the Apostles, I know where I'm the rector. And we're off to a good start. Today is annual meeting day at Church of the Apostles. And uh, on annual meeting day, uh, rectors have to talk a little bit. So I'm going to talk a little bit. It's going to be a little longer than usual. I will give you a break in the middle. You will stretch your legs. We might even sing another song. I'm going to do, uh, we need to talk about the passage of scripture today because it's germane. It's actually very important to who we are as a church. And then we'll take a break, and I'm actually going to give us a report and a little bit of a vision cast for what's in the future here, so that when we go to our annual meeting down the hall, uh, those who are not members or who cannot join us will have heard that. I'll be happy to answer any questions down there as they come up. Um, I'm not going to talk much during the annual meeting. Actually, uh, Jim and uh, Don are going to run the annual meeting, and I'll be there to weigh in when I have to. So I'm doing my talking here. I give you all of that to say... Everyone, let's take a deep breath. That's good. Here we go. In Luke chapter 6, where our gospel passage is from today, Jesus is forming and equipping a people called to be a faithful, non-anxious presence for Fairfield County and the world. I didn't misspeak. You mean in the gospel passage, he's forming a people called to be a faithful, non-anxious presence for Fairfield County? Is the Bible true, living, and active, and gives us everything we need for life and godliness, and is good and profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and righteousness right now? Is it true? I stand by my statement. I think when Jesus is preaching... He is giving us, who live in Fairfield County and go to Church of the Apostles, some insight into the kind of people he wants us to be. A people called to be a faithful, non-anxious presence for Fairfield County and the world. You've heard me use this phrase before many times. I hope you've heard it. I'm going to use it a lot more in 2019. And first, I just want to say a people called is rich, deep, biblical spiritual language it starts in genesis chapter 12 it is continued in second peter it is all throughout the the bible god is he is at work forming a people that is called that is that is what this true and honest narrative is about it is about god forming for himself a people That's all I'm going to say about that today. A people who are first, or I, sh- I don't want to actually, it's very hard because I believe faithful, non-anxious presence works together, but let me talk about what that means in pieces. First, faithful. A faithful people have five characteristics that are measurable and can be seen. They, these things can be seen. And, I, and they're in the passage. I'm going to go through them very quickly. First, a faithful people gather together regularly and consistently to worship God in spirit and truth and for Anglicans through word and sacrament. In our scripture reading today, it starts with a crowd 
of his disciples gathered. A faithful people gathered together. A faithful people are marked by righteousness. This in the scripture, and as Jesus is outlining it today, means personal holiness and corporate justice and mercy. The word diakonia in Greek, it can be used for both righteousness and justice. It is very interchangeable. Sometimes we are fond of being only personally holy or only corporately active. But as I have said many times here, a faithful people are formed by a both and God. And righteousness means both of those things. Personal holiness and corporate, social, seeable justice and mercy. Acts of God. Faithful people participate in their own equipping, in being equipped as a community of disciples through confession and forgiveness, prayer, fasting, feasting, silence, study, hospitality, generosity, and fun, to name a few. Our passage of Scripture says, And he lifted up his eyes upon his disciples. Jesus' message was heard by a group of people. We're going to talk about this. But he is speaking to us. Others were listening, but this message we read is directed to disciples of Jesus Christ, people who would call to follow him. And what he is saying is he is inviting them to be equipped to be the people he has called them to be. And he outlines what that looks like. Number four, a faithful people engage in missions locally and throughout the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verses 22 and 23 of this passage always make us squirm a little bit. Blessed are you when people revile you. Great. Well, we can talk about that in a minute. But simply put, no one is reviled who stays at home and sits out the kingdom work to go out to bring the good news to others. You don't want to be reviled, stay at home. There isn't, there is, this is not a subtle assumption here in the passage that a faithful people is engaged in going out. It's not subtle. Jesus is saying, when you go out, it's going to be hard. It's going to take courage. And you get to do it in joy because you're blessed. And you're in good company. They reviled the prophets. And later Jesus will say, and they hate me. Blessed are you that you get to walk in in the footsteps of the prophets and Messiah King Jesus. And lastly, a faithful people is empowered by the Holy Spirit to continue Jesus' kingdom work of inviting others to the good news through word and deed. Jesus taught and he healed and he cleansed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a faithful people. But there's more. I like movies. Surprise. You can laugh. I like movies. Surprise. 
Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, there's this great ending to this movie. Indiana Jones' dad, played by Sean Connery. I mean, great cast, right? Sean, Sean Connery, Indiana Jones' dad, is being held by the bad guys and being tortured and killed until Indiana Jones can bring back the artifact to them to let him off the hook. He literally needs to be saved by his son. And so Indiana Jones has a, he has a book, he has a map of how to get to the artifact. And he's following these instructions. And he's following them carefully. And he comes to the place at the edge of a, of a, of a cliff. And there's nothing in front of him. The path seemingly comes to an end. And the camera cuts away to his dad being tortured and cuts back to Indiana Jones reading the instructions and not understanding what he's supposed to do. He can't see anything in front of him. And it cuts back to his dad and his dad says, Indy, you've got to believe. And Indiana Jones reads the instructions one more time. He puts them in his pocket. He looks out over the precipice. And he steps into what he thinks is nothing. But a walkway appears. And he walks across to safety and gets the artifact. And I don't want to spoil the rest of the movie for you, but okay. <laughs> yes, a faithful people exhibit those five things. But there's something else at play here for a faithful people that Jesus is saying in the passage. A faithful people are full of faith. And Jesus gives us an instruction. Yeah, a beautiful instruction manual that we should be in all the time and following. But he also calls us at times when he has a plan for us and we can't see it. And we're at the edge of the cliff and we think there is no way to go on. And that everybody we love is dying. He says, you've got to believe me. And we step, sometimes in the unknowing. I really believe, not to beat an analogy to death, I believe we are prone in our broken humanity to stand at that cliff and say, absolutely not, Jesus. You show me the path, then I'll step. Not only the first step, I want to see the end of the path. Then I'll follow you. That is not faith. Many, many times, the end of the path only becomes clear to us when we take the first step and trust that God will make a way. We live... In an anxious world. I've got a whole page here to convince you that we live in an anxious world. Here it goes. No. <laughs> Many of us in the room might be asking, this is great, Brian. You're doing really good. I'm inspired. Tell us when we're good. What are we going to do? Good. Tell us what we're going to do now. I'm ready to step out in faith. Tell us what we're going to do. Before we get there, and we're going to get there. Jesus in this passage is absolutely telling these people what to do. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. 
Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who are hungry. Blessed are you who go out and are reviled. There's some do's here. We'll get there. But oftentimes we, especially us New Englanders, this is my third annual meeting, us New Englanders, we like to do and let the being follow. I actually think in this passage Jesus is saying, I want you to be blessed. I want you to rest under the blessing of God that is forming you. I want you to be the people of God. Then I'll move you to a doing state. I have beta tested the statement, a people called to be a faithful, non-anxious presence for Fairfield County in the world. I have run it by groups of Christian leaders. I've run it by bishops. I've run it by some of you. I've run it by people who do not yet know Christ, who would not have a personal relationship. I just run, I've just run it by some people. Hey, how, do, how does this make you feel? I want to tell you that even people who don't know Jesus and don't get the, the whole well, people called, what is that, all that, you know what they hear? When they hear non-anxious, they go, oh. What? Being a non-anxious people, a non-anxious presence, might be the most loving and countercultural thing that we can do for Fairfield County and the world. To be able to offer to somebody who is strung out on anxiety a pathway to be non-anxious is missional. But it's the mission of first being, non-anxious ourselves. I want to say something. Being a people of blessedness and, and being a people of anxiety do not fit together. Don't be anxious for anything. But in prayer and supplication, just make your request made known to God. Fear not, little children, Jesus says. The Father has given you the kingdom of heaven. I'm just giving it to you. You don't have to worry about it. Don't seek your own good stuff today. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and everything else will follow. We serve a non-anxious God and we are taught by a non-anxious Messiah. Jesus embodied non-anxiety. Now you might say to me, why not say peace? Because peace means a lot of things these days. But when you say something, when you use the word non-anxious, People get what you're talking about. People who have just been anxious that they're not giving their kids enough things for them to have a leg up in the world. When they hear that, you know what, you can be non-anxious about that, they go, what? People who have been told by politicians that the end is tomorrow, vote for them or else. Hear that and go, what? People who have lost their job and don't know where their next paycheck is coming, go, huh? I can live and not be anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Only those who, get, who are non-anxious can invite someone else to be non-anxious. Have you ever been told by someone who's strung out in anxiety to not worry? <laughs> hey, don't worry. You're pulling your hair out, dude. Becoming non-anxious only occurs when we have a sense of meaning and purpose, vocation and calling in our life. Can we say, be non-anxious? presence i love this part don't don't miss these opening lines of every passage they're not just fillers they're not just moving the story along they are that's not all they're for the opening the opening sentence of this passage everybody listen 
And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples. I'm telling you, I read it and I can't hold back the emotion. God came down to be present with us, to live in the neighborhood, to reveal the glory of God. And Jesus demonstrates this over and over. It is incarnational. Presence requires proximity. It requires being with other people. Physically embodied presence. It is not merely spiritual. It is physical. And Jesus does it over and over. He is a present God with us. When his disciples needed help, he came down, he stood among them, and then he does something else that's amazing. It says he lifted his eyes upon them. He saw them. He recognized them, even probably in some of their anxiety. Amen? I have said from here many times that God does not despise our humanness. He sees it. He invites us to righteousness around it, but he doesn't despise it. God came down. Emmanuel is with us. And Jesus comes among his disciples and looks at them. A people called to be a faithful, non-anxious presence, big word, for Fairfield County and the world. If you're writing notes, circle four. Not of Fairfield County and the world, that's part of four, but that's not enough. Jesus is putting his disciples on mission, and i got to be a little theologically uh, precise here, so here we go. Verse 17, don't miss it. With a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus' influence has opened up now to invite Gentiles and those who are not disciples to come and be taught and be healed and be cleansed. Do you get the picture of what's going on? We've got his disciples. We've got people who he's talking to. These are people who are following Jesus. These include the 12 apostles. These, include, these, are, the, these are his people. He's talking to them. But then also intermingled in there are people that have started to heard that Jesus has something to offer. And they're coming in hopes that maybe if he walks by and they brush his cloak, they'll be healed. They don't, they're not calling him Savior and Lord yet. It's a missional statement. Jesus is saying, yes, my salvation is for the Jews and the Gentiles. Yes, my salvation is for the rich and the poor. Yes, my salvation is for the healthy and the sick. My salvation is even for those who are demonically influenced or oppressed. I will cast out the demons so you can have open eyes and ears to follow me. It's missional. This is a statement of mission. All right. 
as I step now into the vision casting review part, this is my third annual meeting day. Third one. It's only three. So in some ways that feels like a lot, Paul, but in some ways it feels like not a lot at all. How are you feeling about it, Paul? No, I'm just kidding. Just a joke. Just don't, Paul, don't answer. If it feels long, that's bad. And if it feels short, that might be bad too. For the first two annual meeting days, what I said that we would need to do is that we, I used the airplane analogy. I don't know if you remember it, but I said we're, we're like a plane that takes off and gets to 10,000 feet. And we were at this moment in a flight where we've taken off. Church of the Apostles is a church. It's here. Well done, you. It's a place for Fairfield County in the world. Good job. And that we were kind of at that 10,000 foot mark where the plane really like almost, like you feel like you're going to die for a minute, right? It just, everything's, oh, the plane's going down. Good. You know, you have that moment. Drinks, please. No, I mean, you just have a. But I talked to a pilot, friend, a pilot I knew once, and he said, well, what's happening is we're, we're just stopping for a second. We're checking the instrumentation. We're making sure the engines work. We're getting new directions from the next tower. And, and we're going to wait a second and get all that gathered. We're going to make a couple of course corrections, and we're going to ascend. We're going to get to our cruising speed. And I said for the first few couple of years, we were in a moment at that moment of assessing and thinking and what are some course corrections. We've been doing that. We really have. I've been doing it. I've been doing it by riding trains to New York City and wondering how do we reach people with this message I'm giving who ride trains for over an hour a day. Do you know that the the most conservative data is that 38% of people who live in Fairfield County spend an hour or more on a train or a car every day? Getting to work, to and from work. I ride with these people. Sometimes I wake up early in the morning. I walk with people from my building. I get on a train. I ride with them, and I start to pray, God, how are we going to minister to these people? I do this occasionally. And, and more than that, I wait all day, and I come home at 8.30 at night, sometimes with the same people. And I think to myself, how are people who are anxious about their lives and have to work like this, how are we going to reach out to them? We've been doing some assessing. One of the things that we need to just be honest with each other about, I would love to tell you that the church we can be is, I'm going to put up a couple of billboards, we're going to get a new flashy building, a smoke machine, and I'm going to be a better preacher, and everybody will come. There was a day, there was a day in New England, in Fairfield County, where that actually probably could have happened. I miss those days, some. I just don't see that church, I just don't see churches growing like that anymore. In our present culture, people don't even think about church. We used to call people post-church or post-Christian. I don't even think that's a good word anymore. They're not even thinking about it. I mean, just try it out. Tell someone you don't know very well who doesn't know Jesus and doesn't come to church that you spent an hour and a half on Sunday morning coming to church. Just tell them. You will get up. huh? What? You're kidding me. People don't think about it. And so, the other thing about growth for a church, and I'm going to talk about growth just for a second, is that there's a couple ways to go about it. Rectors can set up churches that really want to be a place where Christians who are already committed move to. Now, that works, by the way. I, I um, I actually had the privilege of being part of two of these churches. 
in Austin, Texas. We, I was the executive pastor at one, and we planted one. 280 people a day moved to Austin, Texas when we lived there. A day. A lot of them were Christians looking for churches. So we built churches, we planted churches, we put churches up, we had a website, and people came. 280 people a day are not moving to Fairfield County, Connecticut. (laughs) Newsflash. Newsflash. And I want to say something else boldly. We are not interested in being the next best new flavor thing in the evangelical world. We're not interested in that. We're not interested in getting people primarily from churches, from our neighborhood churches. We want all the churches to grow. Over the past three years, we've had a couple of folks who have come to us because it was just time in their journey for an Anglican expression. And this is the place that God called them to, to to live and to be part of us. And you are most welcome if you're in that place. We love that. But just grabbing people from other churches is not the way we're going to grow. I have no interest as your rector being the next best flavor offered. I just don't. I don't don't hire businessmen. I'm a pastor. And I don't want to make a name for myself. And I don't want to make a name for Church of the Apostles. I want to make a name for Jesus Christ. I want people who do not know Jesus or who at one time in their life knew Jesus and had a relationship with him for whatever reason have walked out the door of churches and are tired of the whole thing. I want those people to sense a faithful, non-anxious presence among us in our mission and in our, everything that we do and say, I want to know that Jesus again or for the first time. That's where I want our numbers to increase. That is how God makes a name for himself. Amen? I believe that that is going to happen one conversation at a time. I think it is going to take us coming together to worship and proclaim the name of Jesus. And it is going to take all of us in our workplaces and at our schools and with our friends and with our family to say, I want to talk to you about something. Do you know that you can be non-anxious? Do you know that Jesus loves you? Do you know that you can be free from sin? Do you know these things? I would not advise that you start the conversation there with someone who doesn't know Jesus or someone that you don't know well. There are times for that. There are times Jesus sits someone down on a plane next to you and the conversation goes there like that, right? Amen. Love when that happens. I hope it happens a lot. But usually those conversations have to be built too, right? People have to feel loved. They have to feel cared for. They have to trust you. They have to know you're not weird. (laughs) We're a peculiar people. And sometimes we're pretty quirky, right? They need to know. You know what they mostly need to know? Is that they're not a number. They're not a target. There's someone who's loved by God and by you, who's cared for. So how are we going to do all this? Well, here we go. You've heard me talk about a permanent place. I'm going very fast now. Here we go. 
Our first step to finding a permanent place is that we prayed and fasted together for about a month, more than a month. We had a special prayer meeting, a concert of prayer. I hope that you're all still praying. We might crank some of those up again. We took some days, and actually I I asked you to fast as a congregation, as a parish, to fast from some things, to make space to pray. We did this several months ago. Then we formed a property search team. We're, We're working right now, a property search team, to start looking for... Uh, a new place. We've done the necessary legwork. We've, we've assessed our needs. We know what is going on. We've begun even to look at some possible places. The third thing that we've done is we have just recently moved our offices. If you go next Tuesday to 338 Commerce Drive, you're going to be lonely. We will be at 303 Linwood Avenue. It is a much smaller office, and it is for two purposes. The first is we needed to balance our budget that we're going to present to you later, and the space we were in was too big and too expensive, and so we downsized. But that's not the main reason that we did it. This is a short-term lease, six months, month to month after that. We're not locked into anything long. We truly believe that this is going to give us, I believe that this is going to give us some flexibility that we need in two areas. It's going to give us some financial flexibility, but also it is going to give us a signal that we have begun the physical process of changing where we worship and minister. It is happening. With our search team and our parish council, I want you to know that we have set a list of four must-haves for our new space. Are you ready? Four must-haves, okay? I'm not calling them non-negotiables, Paul, because if I've learned anything from my friend Paul Hiller, is that real estate is the great compromise, and I quote, But these are things that we, I mean, God would have to say, no, you have to not have these things. Okay, these are are our four kind of operating targets. Sunday morning worship, somewhere between 9 and 11 a.m. That's when we'd like to worship together. Okay? We we really want to combine our office space and our worship space into under one roof. Having it in two places is expensive and, frankly, a little bit hard to do. We want much less, or better yet, no setup or takedown anymore. You heard an amen from Jane, (laughs) who actually today came and had to set up because we don't have enough volunteers. Jane came to set up today. We need some volunteers for set up and takedown. Jane's a servant. I love her. She shouldn't be setting up or taking down. Much less or no setup, takedown each week. We want to stay within our current geographic area to include all of Fairfield, a little bit of, I don't know, I'm, this is hard to explain, but let's take, let's take Black Rock right up Brooklawn to about Trumbull, some areas in Trumbull, across Fairfield, down to Southport, where we are a Fairfield church. There's a couple other things there, and there's some strategy to that. It's a good bridge. It's a good place to minister from. It's what we know and where we live primarily. So we're going to look in that area. And last but not least, our non-negotiable is a long-term lease of five years or more. Now, you say, well, well, lease. You said permanent place. Liar. (laughs) Now, what I said was, we need to have a plan for a permanent place. The search team and the parish council, in praying and thinking and assessing, have come to a consensus that the next step toward a permanent place is another long-term lease that does those four things we said, but that lets us right-size ourselves as a congregation. Just take a look around. I mean it. Just look around. 
I can't even see some of you. You're sitting so far back. We need to right-size ourselves. But that's, that's not really even the most important thing. I said earlier that a people of faithful non-Asians' presence have to be present in proximity. We need a neighborhood. We need neighbors. We need to set our roots at, for another five years at a place where God is already at work. And by the way, God is already at work everywhere. And then we need to say, you know what? We have enough missional space to say, what are you doing in this neighborhood, God? And how are you asking us in courage and faith to take the first step? Place matters when it comes to presence. It needs to be a place where we do those five things. We worship together. We practice corporate and personal righteousness. We practice equipping, which, by the way, includes community. You know why I want to move to a different place? I want to have fun with y'all. I want to have a dance. There, I just said it. I want to have a square dance on Shrove Saturday where we eat ice cream and we dance and then we get pious and go to Lent. And I want to invite our neighbors. If we're blessed with a lawn, let's have a kid's movie night with popcorn and a big outdoor screen and say to the neighbors, hey, we're here, we love you, come on. Place matters. It's time to make this step. So, with that... And in faith and without any anxiety or manipulation, I want you to know that it is my intention as your rector that we will be meeting in a new place before Advent 1 of this year. We are moving, and we are moving soon. I won't do anything rash. We'll stick with those five things. But we are going to step in faith. If that causes some anxiety, see my earlier sermon. Next. (laughs) The missions team is hard at work. I have talked about this many times. We have values that we can make available to you. We've worked on that. We are currently working on our process to identifying new partners and friends that we can do mission with and for. We can support them financially. We've done this in the past year. We've we've put $10,000 of our operating budget money into missions work, including a new partnership that we're developing with Bridges uh, International at the University of Bridgeport. You know that we're hosting a couple of fellowship dinners a year. We are also supporting one of their missionaries, uh, Zach, uh, whose name I can never pronounce, uh, Zach J. And uh, we are giving him, uh, we gave him some money in 2018 and intend to support him a little bit in 2019. We are doing missions. Um, our, that, that 10,000 includes Bridges and Hopeline and Bridgeport Rescue Mission, Hands Offering Hope and others. We love Emmaus Partnership and they're trying to expand to help us work with a school in their area and we're going to have some more details about that when they're available. Uh, being a faithful non-anxious presence takes time sometimes and so that's taking time to work out. But we're loving what we do. We gave that $10,000 We have $24,000 from the Barnum House sale still designated by the parish council to be used for missions. It will be used. That will help us as people come and ask for support. We'll have some resource to work with. We love that. And the budget that Don's going to produce, and Don, I'm just going to make sure I check this out, but it has another $10,000 in it for 2019. Yes? Okay. I'm really grateful for all of those things. However, 
I'm calling on us to raise this number significantly over the next three years. $10,000 on a $380,000 budget is about 2.5 cents of every dollar donated goes toward mission. I would like to see us by 2020 be able to present you a budget that makes that 10 cents of every dollar that you contribute to Church of the Apostles goes to mission. That it's 10% of our money that we say to God, you are a God about mission, we are going to be a people about mission. Now this is a big ask. And so those of you who are sitting in the room going, I'm glad I'm not on the parish council. I want to talk turkey for a minute. Ready? I don't think we, I mean, we have some guests. Welcome. I'm going to talk (laughs) turkey for a minute. (laughs) Parish Council has to do some work, but the budget that you're going to be presented here in a minute, in a few minutes, it's faithfully produced. I love the finance team that worked on it. Don has done a wonderful job. This is a good, solid budget. There is no more ways from the expense side that I can see without cutting, like laying people off, that we're going to get to the 10%. The budget you're going to get is bare bones. I've said this for three years now. It's not a budget that is going to move us forward. It's not. So, yeah, the parish council's got to do some work. I have to do a lot of work, and I'm going to. Trust me, I'm going to. We're going to get there, by the way, in faith. But this is a parish-wide effort. And I am just going to ask, without manipulation and without causing any anxiety, as I have asked before, that if you, not, if you call us home and you are not regularly giving the basic standard of about 10%, that you pause and consider and begin to do so. A church that is faithful and bold and generous in missions giving is a church that grows. Is a church that grows in faithfulness, non-anxiety, and presence. And a church that tangibly says we are for Fairfield County and the world. Those are good words. They need to be followed with action. And I have worked hard to not say anything negative. But one line. Churches that nickel and dime mission slowly atrophy over time, period. You're doing good. I'm going to go really fast. We're going to introduce uh, several new equipping things. And this year, we will talk, not today, I don't have time, we're going to talk about triads, a new way that we're going to do spiritual formation together. Jan and I are working, and we've led some pilot groups, three men or women getting together, talking about the gospel together, doing life together. We're going to add that in this year. We've talked about living waters. We're doing more with that. It's coming. Inner healing and listening prayer is going to be a big part of how we do this. Peter Dannenberg and Jordan Jackson have done a fantastic job in the three years that I have been here leading our youth in how to be a faithful, non-anxious presence. I don't think Peter's here, and Jordan's probably wants to hide. But I want to say, on behalf of Church of the Apostles, thank you. That having been said, 
we need to give them the help they need to make this sustainable moving forward. For three years, Jan, Amy, we have tried a number of things to work with our youth. I don't know what's coming next, but this year, with the Parish Council's help and working with you parents, we need to decide what our youth ministry is going to be. Not so we can put people in the seats, but so that we can be a people of mission and ministry for young people. You want to talk about a group that's more anxious than they've ever been. You want to talk about it. Just check the suicide rates for the last 10 years. They have spiked among this group of people. We must be a church that takes them seriously. And we are going to have to put some money and willpower behind it to make it work this year. We're going to do that. First thing is this. Parents of upper elementary kids, junior high school kids, and high school kids. Jane will be getting with you in the next two weeks to set up an appointment with me. I need to talk to you to see how we can best come alongside you to support you and how you raise your kids. I need to know what you need and what you want. So don't dodge me. Okay, that's what she's calling about. I'm not going to come and ask for money, I promise. Much. Okay, I'm not. Last but not least, musical worship. Well done today. I said I'm a little nervous about having to talk a long time. You've all been very gracious. I'm closing, I promise. I was more nervous because Kendra was leading worship. Like a stage mom, Kendra. Like, oh, she does good. You did great. I mean, there's more to do, so don't mess up. But it was good. I mean, it was really good. As you know, um, we have, uh, Laura's been our interim worship coordinator for some time. And uh, she has said, look, I, I, need to, I need to at least take a modified role. I need to step back from that a little bit. And so I'm happy to say that Laura has agreed to stay in a modified role with us for the next several months. So we're going to get, we're going to get, we still get some Laura, right? So, uh, but we're on affectionately and humorously what I'm calling Worship Plan B 2.0. And that is not because of the people at play. These are good people and really good at what they do. We need to nail this down long term still. But I'm happy to say that for the next several months, Laura is going to take a, she's going to take a limited role. She's going to step back a little bit, give her the rest she needs to be able to do it for a few months. She's going to bring people alongside her, like Kendra and others, to lead worship for a while. And the PC and I will work on some long-term solutions this year. We will. However, just like with missions, we need your help. If you're a musician or a vocalist, we need you to contact Laura and to say, I will step up even though I'm a little uncomfortable with my musical skill and I'm busy, I am going to step up and I want to help you lead worship for the next few months while we figure this out. Would you do that for us, please? Let's step up and help out. That's all today. Aren't you glad?